Welcome to BizDab, the Daytona Area Business Show. I'm your host, Glenn Sanders. 2020 was devastating to the events industry. The drop in tourism due to the pandemic had a trickle-down effect on retail, restaurants, hotel occupancy, and employment. Our guests today are Tim Riddle and Tim Buckley from the Ocean Center in Daytona. Mr. Riddle is the director of the center, and Mr. Buckley is the director of sales and marketing. With more than 200,000 square feet of convention and meeting space, the Ocean Center is one of the largest event venues in Volusia County. So what are we doing to safely bring events back? And what is the outlook on 2021? That's our discussion today with the two Tims from the Ocean Center on BizDab. But before we start, a quick reminder that new episodes of BizDab will drop weekly on Tuesdays, so please hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player so that you are reminded when new episodes appear. You can follow me on Twitter at Glenn A. Sanders, that's one N, Glenn A. Sanders, and you can join our new Facebook group called BizDab. Visit the website, bizdab.com, to find the show notes and to reach out to me directly. Please reach out with any business news or ideas for future episodes. Keep in mind, our focus is on Volusia County. Tim and Tim, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Happy to be here. So let's jump right into the impact that coronavirus has had on events in Volusia County. What we want to do today is focus on projecting what might happen in, in 2021 in Volusia County with the events industry. And uh, obviously, Ocean Center is uh, the center of events industry, the events industry in Volusia County. So give us, let's start with where we're coming from. So we'll, let's talk about the impact uh, it's you, had. Yeah, give you a brief overview of our, of our 2020. And uh, first of all, I'll go ahead and say it was going to be a great year. <laughs> I mean, our for fi- all of us, our fiscal year 18 was, was one of the best years ever. 19 was down just a hair, but 20 was going to be, we were all excited because we knew our numbers were going to be great. And uh, yeah, of course we get to, and our, our fiscal year starts October 1st. So when I refer to years, a lot of time I'm talking fiscal versus calendar and I'll try to, I'll try sure. to define that, <clears throat> but I started out great. And then of course we get to March. And March 14th, the world came to an end in in many respects. That was uh, actually bike week was going on and and Daytona Beach shut bike week down. And uh, I guess on that Friday, they were talking about limiting gatherings to 250 people. And by Monday, they'd have gone to 10. Yeah, they were still trying to figure it out on the fly. It was new and nobody knew much about anything. Pretty much in terms of just a a macro view, we generally do between 120 to 130 events in a year in fiscal year. 20, we did about 73. Not quite half, but close. And you actually got 73 in. So were, all, were they all well, and, and some of in those, that fiscal year of October? Well, no, the first the first five months were kind of normal. And, and sure. so that's where a lot, I won't say the bulk, and I didn't actually look at the timing, probably two thirds of those were in that normal start to our fiscal year. And then we pretty much the, the last half of March through June, we were just completely shut down doing other things. I'll tell you a little bit about some silver linings that, that planned our 2020 as well with regard to our venue and, and, and how it's been used. But I guess July, and again, we were waiting on the state because once everything was shut down, they everybody developed reopening plans. The state of Florida, no exception. And once we got to phase... Did, did you participate in those at oh, all yes, with we the did. state? we did. And, and Volusia County, and we are a department of Volusia County, Volusia County pretty much mirrored the state. They had a, a relaunch Volusia plan that, that kind of followed along behind the state. So once the state protocols allowed, I think for phase two, you could start having limited gatherings again. 
And I guess the first major event we did was in July, uh, and we did high school graduations, which we've always done at our building, usually 11 over four days. Of course, uh, almost at max capacity for some of them. But we did, I think we reduced it just by one or two, and we did it differently, far differently, because our arena ordinarily can seat about 9,300 at maximum capacity. For high school graduations, typically it's it's about 6,500. So you're not usually at... Full capacity for a graduation. No, but but we 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 hit five to six thousand several times during that week. But for these graduations, what we had to do is map out seating for the graduates, and you have to take everything from the largest graduating classes and back down from there. So to set have six hundred graduates all sitting six feet apart takes a. It took our entire forty seven thousand square foot arena floor plus the lower bow just for graduates. So it left us only the upper bow for attendees, which really is what limited working backwards to the, uh, I think each student got two tickets for graduation. Now you also have to manage the entrance uh, and egress uh, of the venue or the event. Not just just the venue, also the parking lots. It's a major, you know, undertaking to shuffle all those crowds in and out as quickly as we do. But in in essence, where our capacity probably ended up around the 25% range. And that was the first big event uh, we did that week. We did several graduations that week and, and given a lot of thought, and but in a COVID world, it's it's hard harder to do business. You have to think about everything: traffic flow, restroom, and traffic in your restrooms, and sanitation of your surfaces, and and uh, every one of those seats in the uh, arena had to be sanitized between graduations. Sure, where you've seen the airlines, and we we've, we've got a, every building like us in the country owns electrostatic foggers now, and and different types of misting machines. If we only knew to buy stock in an right. electrostatic <laughs> fogger company, we that and pure rail, but the. But we, and initially after starting in July, we had that. Then we had a, what we call the bacon beatdown, big fitness competition, I think a few weeks after that, which was completely different than it had been in the past as well. It's got to be a challenge because you're working with independent producers. Do you find you had to lay down the law and say, this is what you've got to do? These are your parameters or were they pretty cooperative? I won't say lay down the law. Uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of education and edification. Right. But right. The, do we sometimes get hard nosed about our protocols? We do. And today, even though it's old hat, we constantly remind our staff, we did just at our staff meeting last week, hey, we've been doing this six months, but we still got to treat it just like it's the first time. You sure, know, sure. Face mask on, we're nice about it, but if you come in our building, you're going to wear a mask. And if you don't, if you don't want to attend that event, that's up to you. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And was there anything that you learned in the last year that you, you think you'll take moving forward? I think so. In some sense, of we used to get a lot of kudos and comments on our building's appearance and and how clean it always was. It is cleaner now. We're all buildings are cleaner sure. now, and we you know the increased frequency of some things you know probably won't change just to keep people comfortable. The uh, and equipment we've purchased as far as the now that we have foggers, you know, you're going to use them. But even if COVID is a thing of the past, a year from now, does it make sense to still sanitize your entire facility maybe once a month? It doesn't sure. hurt. Why not? So now that we have that equipment, we've also learned a lot about changing and looking at different chemical agents and what they do for us and which ones are, are friendly to surfaces. So there's, been, there's just been a lot more research and education in those areas as well, which has benefited us. I say industry-wide, any type of, I don't care if you're, it's an office building or venue like ours, there's lots of work that have gone into how to better care for not only the surfaces, the air you breathe with UV filters in your in your air handlers and things like that. We've learned a lot about some traffic flow patterns where before we, it, that may be beneficial even not because of a COVID or worried about 
social distancing, and some things flow better, they flow better. We've studied more closely how people move through our building and, and the best way to see that happen from a uh, logistic standpoint, as well as uh, before, you know, maybe leave a lot of that up to the customer to decide, but now we've probably have, we have a lot more input in that now because we want things to be a certain way and, and it's a mutual process with them. But 2020 was a, uh, a tough year. We lost a lot of business. Uh, I mentioned the silver linings. There are some good things that came out of it too. Yeah, let's hear those. Well, I'm all about some good things. First of all, is every venue in the country started looking for other things their building could be used for. You saw field hospitals pop up in some areas. Thankfully, that was never something that was needed here. But if it was, <clears> is, is the Ocean Center the there are plans the backup? Fi- there are plans on file. Sure. Again, not I'm not sure what other venue there would be other than the <clears throat> fairgrounds. Yeah. The, uh, thankfully, so far, our regular hospital capacity has been sufficient in this area. Well, I guess the good news is that we're prepared. We are. Within uh, probably 10 days of us shutting down the events, Volusia County's Public Protection Department uh, got in touch with us because they became the entity locally that was the gatherer of PPE mm-hmm. uh, because they have the connections with the Florida Emergency Management and Florida Department of Health. And a lot of those things were being distributed from the federal government through the states through their Department of Health. Again, if you look at a building like ours, uh, if you need a big warehouse with truck docks, and forklifts and people who know how to drive them, where can you turn to quickly? We unload trucks every day for events. So our exhibit hall pretty much became a PPE warehouse uh, by the end of March. Where does the Ocean Center stand in terms, in comparison to the other event venues in Volusia County with regards to size or? We can, I mentioned our arena is 9,000. You, you can do 10,000 seats in our exhibit hall if it's all flat floor. You, you really wouldn't want to unless you, unless you just sure. really need it for a special purpose. As far as general seating, you've got outdoor stadium, obviously with the baseball, right. but then Peabody, I think seats around 2,200 Peabody Auditorium, which is adjacent to us. And Tim may want to chime in. Oh, of course, nobody tops the Speedway. At no, of course. Oh, that's a, that's a, but as far as in, a venue all its own, As right? far as indoor seating, it would probably be our two major public spaces, the Exhibit Hall and Arena, followed by Peabody Auditorium would be my guess as far as, far as seat people inside. Sure, yeah. none of the hotels have that big a Well, the, uh, space. I think the uh, Hilton, which is across the street from Ocean Center, has a uh, ballroom, which can probably – Theater style could probably do fifteen hundred, and I guess banquet can do a thousand or about eighteen eighteen thousand square feet. Okay, we're about our ballroom's fourteen thousand square feet, but our arena's forty seven thousand. Our exhibit hall's ninety three thousand. So it's but again, the Hilton is a seven hundred and forty room hotel, and the next largest is probably in the three hundred room range. Sure. And what are in a normal year? What are your your largest events? We do a large cheerleading event in April every year. It's the NCAA Collegiate Championships. We usually get around nine to 10,000 people for that in the town. We have a large volleyball event that we also do at the end of January that's getting up in that neighborhood as well, nine, 10,000 range. So those are probably our two uh, largest events. There are probably maybe eight to 10 events that take the entire facility. Those two are probably the largest in terms of attendance. We have others. You know, CEO Gaming, it's a big esports tournament. They take the entire facility. They have about only probably 2,000 competitors and three or 4,000 attendees, but not, not as large attendance-wise. But we have several of oh, state cheer next weekend. I'm sorry, next weekend. It's the third weekend in January, I believe. Uh, now, esports is it's a, quite quite a thing these days. We have the biggest one in Central Florida. So, uh, Now, do you think that will continue? Full Sail has built their own esports venue 
I won't say it's new anymore. It's not brand new like it was three years ago, but it's still uh, very much an evolving genre of competition. Lots of you, you see changes in it all the time, and we're fortunate to have a a good partnership with that particular event. That's a multi year. He's a local producer, right? He's, he he's, he is. Well, he's Central Florida. He's Central Florida. Okay. Yes. What's nice about your venue is that you can have a trade show type or an exhibit floor type of setup along with the gaming itself. In the exhibit hall, they have a trade show component. A lot of booths and all, all the game names are there. And then they've got a tournament, two different tournament areas actually in the exhibit hall with the trade show. And you, as you play your way through those areas, you get to the bigger, from the tables to the mini stages. And then from the mini stages, you go to the arena and compete in, in, a, in a real ring with the huge screens from the ceiling and, and 2,000 people watching you play. So what percentage of your events are these big giant events versus uh, a number of smaller ones? Probably hard to put a percentage on it. I would say of, of our 130 events, and, 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 uh, and if you look at what we're not doing now, it, it is a small single day stuff that is that we're currently not doing. I took a look at, so what is it that we're even looking at 2021? What do we have versus what are we still not seeing yet? And uh, we're fortunate that we are a, a good and well-known sports venue. We do a lot of sporting tournaments. Starting in December, going through January, we'll have, uh, I guess, three volleyball tournaments or and then another one in the late spring, maybe. Yeah, we have uh, That's he's here, one in he's December, my, two in January, guy. and then one in May. And we've doubled the size of the early January and the May event. So his event is his events are expanding. Yeah, those, so we do four big volleyball tournaments a year now, but plus we do several cheer events, dance events, the an actual sporting events. We've done a couple of boxing matches in our building. We've done several wrestling matches, basketball. And I don't, I don't say we ever lamented the fact that we were heavy in sports, but in some ways, in looking at maybe the catering side, concessions was, was a little less easy to predict. You have a th- dinner for a 1,000. And sure. you know how much can be per plate. It's pretty easy to forecast what your revenue is going to be. Concessions is always a little bit of a you know crapshoot as to what's going to happen and how many people are going to show. But we've also talked about how fortunate right now we are because sports is certainly helping. And, and the fact that we're adding to our sports. Sport, would you say sports is the thing that's first to come back? I'd say sports and live entertainment. Uh, <coughs> wrestling. I'm not going to say wrestling's not a sport. Are you, are you saying wrestling's not no, a sport, Tim? We, we do amateur and, and amateur and professional. But those type of events, the boxing, the wrestling, whether it's a globetrotter type event, but the, the live entertainment that uh, we did Nutcracker Ballet in December, which had traditionally been at the Peabody. They're not open yet, so they, they came to us. And again, with our space, they moved from a 2,200-seat Peabody to a 9,000-seat Ocean Center Arena, and they, they did it completely differently in the round but with our even at twenty five percent, we could still accommodate their normal type crowd. So the Peabody is still not taking, not doing events right now. Uh, not at present. I don't, and I don't know. I haven't heard about their timetable just yet. Now that's got to be their own decision, not a county. Yeah, they're they're and their city of Daytona Beach facility, not the Volusia County. But the but again, that's that's just we've. But whether it be that, and and we've had some leads come through on some some small concert, and even talked uh, with somebody. I think about a comedian, but we're being looked at because we are a venue. Again, you could put three hundred people last year anywhere you wanted to. Almost now, you need ten thousand square feet to even do three hundred. So it's uh, so we are being looked at more frequently from sources that had not ordinarily looked at us. So uh, there's a financial model that has to happen there too, for these events to be to break even if they can't have the number of people. And, and I would assume any event producer right now is 
planning on not having the same numbers they normally get at their event. So there's a financial impact here on, on the event producers being profitable. That and I think touring is usually affected right now. So a lot of the shows that would be coming in through Florida to do some shows are maybe not doing them in some of the other states. So it's impacted on several levels. Are you seeing any touring coming through just because Florida is more open? We have gotten a lot of inquiries for uh, events. And we touched on how well we do with the youth sporting events. And I think this year, every event producer that I've spoken to is turning people away. They can't take enough people in for these events because you've got these clubs that are in Michigan that can't do anything and they can't do events. So Florida's a lot more open than other states are right now. So teams are willing to travel right now to get the competitions in where they can. If if you look across the board at all the types of events that we do, but uh, sporting is coming back live. And we kind of, you know, look at the NFL, NBA, they're all NASCAR there. They all were first on the board too. I I tell people sporting is hard to do digitally. You can't have, (laughs) you can't have a volleyball tournament over a screen. You got to play. So we're fortunate that we've got a good, we had a good base, which has only really gotten larger as far as interest under, you know, the pandemic. The other shining points of 2020, because well, uh, the, uh, you, you know, might be uh, the only guy in the world with good news from Well, you know, the PPE warehouse, we started in March. They just moved out of our building in November. So we had them for- So they're gone for, now. Yeah, but we had them for over six months. And then right on their heels, probably two months later, we got a call from another sister division in Belusia County, a community service division works with Halifax Urban Ministries. Because as you saw people being furloughed, you, you see it all over the news. Families still need groceries. So you see these operations crank up to start providing groceries to families. And Halifax Urban Ministries came to us with the Community Service Division. They started working out of our building in late May. And they've been in our building since late May and are still there. The, and they started at 1,000 bags of groceries a week. And each one of those bags will feed a family of four for a week. And they've grown to, I think the last time they were in our building, they did 3,500 bags is what they've worked up to in a week because they've learned again with the space we can offer, their production has grown. It's like a machine watching it happen. They have a hundred volunteers that come down and pallets of food everywhere. And it's uh, poetry in motion sometimes, but that's a great cause. And uh, I guess the positive thing for Ocean Center is all of that's funded under the CARES Act as activities that are you know allowed under oh, So that you act. actually are seeing... Income, well, so to speak. From, yes, because what we are allowed to do under that act, we are allowed to bill for the space they use. So it's, yeah, it's helped Ocean Center keep the lights on. It's helped feed families in our community. It's helped the medical community and uh, you know, get the materials they need to protect their staff. So I, I call them win and it uh, makes us sleep good at night knowing that rather than sitting empty, twiddling right. our thumbs, waiting for phones to ring, We've been very, I tell somebody for a building that's not doing events back in April, we're stinking busy. And that's good because we're all, but we're all doing different things. I say to a degree. And we also, Volusia County has several programs. So the rental and mortgage assistance, we, we have three of our staff that we reassigned and they're working in that program. When people from So as you were able to reallocate staff some, so some you don't have to furlough them. Yeah. And, and again, our operations guys may not be setting chairs for events, but they're helping unload pallets of food. Well, we've also been able to introduce our venue to some people that haven't looked at us at other times. We mentioned Nutcracker. <coughs> Speaking of that promoter, he wasn't even aware that we had an arena in our space, or the comedian anyway. And also the Bacon Beatdown event that we had, we ended up offering him some additional space in our venue to allow for some social distancing during that event. And his attendees loved it. 
He put pencil to paper and figured out how many attendees he needed next year. So now he's booking the entire building next year, whereas that event never has before. Yeah, he used to just pay for our exhibit hall. and That's all he used. Uh, mm. This year, when he we had the arena sitting there. In he here, needed more space. And he needed more. He needed to spread out. So we said, well, why not offer the entire building? It's sitting there empty. Let's offer it to him. And yeah, we're altruistic, but let's face it. The more people come, the more parking and concession revenue we make too. So the, uh, so, so it benefited both sides. He got more attendees. We got more ancillary revenue. But after experiencing that, they were like, this is awesome. So now they're renting the entire building next year. Uh, so That's it's great. A, so so you basically a, landed a new client. A good exactly. move. Yeah. And the only other silver lining I'd mention is that with us being slow, we have three major construction projects ongoing right now and a fourth one starting in probably the first quarter of 21. But again- so you're making Tim paint the walls? That's right. <laughs> Every day. Now we've got it, but, but it's a good time to, that work is never easy in an event venue that doesn't close. So a lot of scheduling and it's still tough, but it is a little easier when we're slow. So we've got four projects that were, have been folded, <clears throat> excuse me, into the mix as well. That building is uh, the heart of it's 35 years old, the arena. And parts of it are only 12 years old, but it's it's just like a half million square foot house. There's always something that needs you know attention. And so we are, the arena's getting new roof and uh, new sound systems in the building, new LED no, lighting. No better time to do it. It's a great time to do it. So sure. that's, there's some, some, I'm not saying great positives, but there, there are, the building is not set fallow. It's getting some attention it needs and we're providing a, some great community services. Now throughout the rest of the county, uh, especially with outdoor events, we've seen almost everything canceled. We lost the bike week last, this last bike week. I don't know. Oktoberfest in October. We lost, yeah, we lost bike Oktoberfest. So the impact, talk to me a little bit about the impact on the county in terms of hotels, people that work in the event space, like myself, the catering staff, all that kind of thing. Yeah, we suffered. I mean, our staffing has suffered. We reallocated a lot of full-time staff. We're, we're only operating. Well, your county, yeah. your county, so you yeah. have some place to send them. Yeah, yeah, and we, but Ocean Center itself is only operating with about 60% of its budgeted staff right now through attrition. We've not replaced anyone that's left. Sure. But beyond that, though, we employed a lot of part-timers, and uh, we've brought some back. But again, yeah, we're still not back to where we were. And there hasn't been a whole lot of relief for yeah. people that are were freelancers or independent yeah. contractors. And I know our food and beverage contractor, they furloughed a little over half of their full-time staff. And, and again, their part-time staff is, uh, it's coming back because we're doing more and more events as time goes on. But again, there were months there where it was just a staff that probably had been with their 13 full-timers and part-timers. You probably see 30 people a day sometimes working there and it's you know down to five. So it's, it's tough. It's still a tough world right. to be in. And my background and one of my businesses is in the event business. And I think it will be interesting to see whether a lot of people return to the industry. They've been laid off or they, their clients have, their events haven't happened. They've had to go find other work, develop other skills. Will they actually So return? far in the early stages of, we did it, we had a major weekend, I guess weekend before last, we had a, a volleyball tournament in the exhibit hall and a cheer event, about 8,000 people on the weekends. That was our first, I told somebody, it was probably the, first, the biggest weekend we'd had in six months. And, uh, and yeah, you look at the part-time staff, a lot of the old, fa I, I walked in Saturday, this Saturday night we had a, a wrestling event, but I walked in, these weekends I walk in, I said, I've got, I've got to learn some new names. And it's harder with face masks, but, sure. you know, but because we see that the people who used to, we used to consider our regular, who, who would work for us on weekends all the time, they did have to go find, find something other work. else or do right. something else. And so we see new faces and some of the old faces too, but that's certainly, uh, 
part of the dynamic of as we all try to grow back into the events business, it will be with different, a lot of different uh, workforce type. From what I can tell, we're we're sort of looking at a, a an impending crush of events in a way because things got moved around. I mean, I've got a friend who produces an event in March every year. He's moved it to June, and he went to look at booking March of 2022. Not going to happen. It had probably have to do June of 22 again. This is in Orlando, and venues calendars are booking up straight through to 22 because people are either making up for events or if they were able to, or just you trying see, to get ahead of scheduling. You see some compression because a lot of our events that canceled in 2020 are annual events that return every year. And most of those, we just, if we had them contracted through 2025, we just added an, another year on for 2026. Take a year you know, on the just end. Right. Easy for everybody, no penalties. But then some of our events that we call the, the one-offs, who, were, who was 2020 was going to be their event, they now want to fit into 2021. And some of the things that Mr. Buckley has to wrestle with, uh, the calendar jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and it is exactly what it is. It's a big puzzle and we try to accommodate people however we can, but sometimes we can't and it's not a comfortable conversation to have with people. But um, like Tim mentioned, a good portion of our business is repeat business. So they're penciled in year after year. Well, you've so got to look, you've got to consider the lifetime value of a, of a customer. Correct. Well, loyalty, you know, loyalty means a lot to us, means a lot to them. And uh, that's a, uh, uh, and I, th- I think that's a uh, been one of our strengths is that about sixty percent of our business is repeat. But again, it's good that they want to come back to Daytona Beach. Well, and that's critical for the economy of the county as well. A good base to to keep those. I mean, you want to do what you can, whatever you can, to keep those events coming back. We know with that, with us being pretty dark you know, through the spring and summer. And certainly running it. Explain uh, dark to the non-theater. Oh, I'm sorry. No events. <laughs> Empty halls. Uh, the, uh, you know, those room nights didn't come, which means those people didn't go to the restaurants, didn't go shopping. So we know it hurt. Now, again, I, can't, I don't own a hotel, so I can't speak uh, for the hoteliers. Uh, I think it, we were fortunate that we are a beach community during that time because beach communities fared much better because beaches pretty much remained open here. And uh, I'm not saying they did the same traffic they did in the past, but we, our drop in, in uh, tourism and lodging tax has not been as precipitous as other places in the state. Again, any decrease is not welcome, but I'll take a 15% decrease over a 50%. Sure. So, so let's talk about 21. I, I use the word cautious optimism, and, and, but actually looking at the hard data, the numbers, we looked at, uh, we, do a, we do a rolling, some of these papers you here, we do a rolling forecast of room nights that we run every month. And it looks out at how many room nights we have on our books for the following 12 months. And then the 13 to 24, 25 to 36. So it's basically a four-year snapshot of what we got out there in year one, year two, year three, year four. Great. Um, so you've got a view today of what the next 12 or 18 months Yes. And, and quite frankly, as we did that report every month, at, at the end of September, at the end of our last fiscal year, we had an estimated 61,000 and change room nights for the following 12 months. That number dropped into the low 40s in April, May, June, because all the business Everything was falling away. away. Right. Everything was going away. I, I, I equate it to a high tide. Everything went dark. Yeah. I, I equate it to a high tide that doesn't stop. The, the erosion just, because in March, like many others in the country, we're thinking, oh, this will be over by June. 
You know, and we still had the July. I, I wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we still had we still had the July events on the books, and then it was September, yeah, and yeah, then all, it, yeah, all and, those events were still holding firm. But then, as when you get to April, then right. the June events start canceling. You get to May, the July and August events start canceling. It was kind of just one of those things that you just kept watching and and monitoring. But uh, but I guess in August and September, our numbers started climbing again. And as of the end of September this year, we were pretty much dead even with last year. And again, I know. There's going to be erosion. We're back to 61,000 room nights. Actually, as of the end of December, we're actually up a little bit over that, around 63,000 for the calendar 2021. And so what's your normal number? We have, a, I like to think our baseline is 60,000. Okay. We've so had you're, years in so the past. So you're back at the baseline now? But we know we're going to lose some. That, of course. Some of that because, because vaccinations are, uh, vaccines are here, and uh, but we still know well, while that's great. It's going to take when, time. When is that going to start eating into the infection rates and, and when are the new cases in Florida going to drop from 10,000 back down to 50 and people start feeling comfortable? It's like the measles. Well, and then, and let me ask you this. You think there's the effect of a, a lack of disposable income from people that have been out of work for so long or so it will keep consumers away from some events? You think that'll well, have an effect? I don't think we've seen much of that in our. It's business. a little bit of a crystal ball question, but yeah, I, I don't think we've seen much of that. And the, and the difference now between where we are, if I was looking at where we are starting January of twenty one versus April of twenty, the biggest difference is where then we had customers calling saying, "Oh, got to you know, pulling the plug, pulling the plug." You know, that's everybody from for three months pulling the plug. Uh, now it's. When they look ahead to their event, like I said, we did the volleyball and the cheer. Now the phone calls are, okay, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. Because one, everybody knows a lot more about the pandemic. They know why you can't guarantee everybody's going to have a safe environment 100%. They know what we can do to make their experience uh, still possible. Sure. How has that changed your dialogue from a sales standpoint when you're talking to people? Are you going over with them what you've learned so far and protocols and things like that and saying, hey, this is, we're the best place to hold an event right now because we've learned these lessons. That's usually a pretty quick conversation because I think if you're in this business, everybody knows what to expect for the most part. First, they want to know if you have the dates because that's the first step. And then they need to understand that we are still doing social distancing. I think a lot of people from out of the state feel like Florida is wide open and they can come in and they can just fill the seats. And that's just not the case. So first discussion with them is we're still social distancing. We're still requiring masks. These are the guidelines that are required for you to put on an event in our venue. If you're okay with that, we can proceed. If not, then, you know. Well, then from an insurance, producers have to be careful. I mean, there is not yet protection for business owners in terms of lawsuits and, you know, would be course are in dire need of tort reform in in the state and the country but in the meantime small businesses especially are vulnerable and so these event producers are vulnerable uh as well Well, until we get that legislation legislation passed our current facility use agreement it has indemnity language in it that you know protects us protects you it doesn't protect it doesn't protect and it's blanket and, and but what we see now is from both sides we are dealing with groups now that they have language they want inserted about pandemic type things. We have language that we're adding. So it will be something, again, as far as going forward, it'll probably be a part of contracts going forward in the future. Because when somebody booked our space in 2020, back in 2016, who had a clue? Sure. Yeah. It wasn't in the language. But going forward now, the producers themselves are the ones that have to make sure that they're protected. Obviously, all the 
vendors are going to kick the can up the road, so to speak, to the. To and the, I think that's those, those that really understand, you know, the issue. And we don't get blowback or any pushback on whether it's social. Because technically, if you social distance, you you could say, if I'm six feet apart, I don't I don't need to wear a mask. Technically, but we still require both. Sure. Again, we're erring on the side of caution, and. You could look at even Florida's phase three or opening and say, uh, some people have come to us and say, why are you limiting my capacity to that? You can make an argument that large venues, and it says large entertainment venues, can be at 75%. We say, we probably could argue that, but we're not. So right now you're operating at 50% capacity? 25%. A 25% capacity. And uh, do you have a plan for when that changes? Uh, And obviously there's a bit of a spike at the moment. Again, that will be a... There's no state guidance there. No state guidance. That's a local decision. And that's that's why even locally, in conjunction with county leadership, we had started down a path of doing events and we were comfortable in that range. So even though the door has been open wider, we choose to stay where we're at because that's where we're comfortable. And again, if somebody looks back at us later and looks at our protocols, I think it shows that we're being conservative. We're not trying to push the boundary too hard. We're saying... We're requiring both social distancing, both masks, and we are limiting capacity to 25, basically around 25%. So we're being cautious because we know gatherings of people are still things that are being under scrutiny and people have trepidation about doing things. And of course, none of our events are mandatory. Nobody has to come. But when they do, we want them to see, and we, we sometimes go a little above, what I call above and beyond you can do the basic stuff, but in the whether it's bagging every other fixture in a restroom, or even though we could identify, we, we could only sell certain seats in the arena, but we bag all the seats we won't sell. It's a visual cue, but I think it tells the public when they go into our arena and they want to find their two seats in that row, I think when they see all the seats next to them strapped, closed, and bagged, so you absolutely cannot sit there, it makes them, it just, they've really thought about this mm-hmm. stuff. Give them a sense and they of comfort. See, they see the traffic patterns in the floor, green arrows for how you walk in a row and how you exit a row. It's just, I think the more they know that we've thought about things, I think it, the comfort level hopefully rises because uh, at the end of the day, we want people to come to events. And, and I still, you know, to me, the last events that will resume will be the regular meetings where people sit, you know, shoulder to shoulder theater style uh, with your best friend and a thousand other people. And then the, uh, the catering type fun. So what's your prediction on the timeline of those things going back? I know it's impossible. No, so it is, say, I but can't you, wait to hear this prediction. Yeah, I know. <laughs> May the 12th. No, yeah. the, uh, I, I think just based on, I, I just hear the news like, like everybody else. And, uh, but based on what I hear, I certainly think by the end of the second quarter, the general population will be well into the vaccination mode. And I think when you see those. Do you have a health advisor? Do you well, work with I, a local What I can tell groups? you is you know, Ocean Center does not directly. But again, being a department of Lush County, I get lots of emails as a department. That's why I'm called director because they call their department directors directors. There you go. But the, uh, we're in that loop. And Lucia County has several people that talk to the Florida Department of Health every day about not just COVID cases, but vaccination plans and where they're going to happen and, and deep freezer storage. I mean, they have people that working all that out. So they, they talk frequently. And, uh, and I was talking to somebody with Volusia County just yesterday, and I mentioned, I said, I mentioned ICU capacity, said 26% today. So they, they keep track of all that and they know all that. Knowing that they monitor those type of stats in our community, I think it'll be a statewide thing as you see the numbers start dropping. If we get back to levels that are where the cases drop below 1,000 then get into the 500 range, uh, I just think people... That know, and the combination of knowing how many people have been vaccinated in the county. Yeah, and it's a... It's and a, travel, because you're talking about how many 
people are coming to your events from out of town. Yeah, it's it's kind of there. There's a, a lot of moving parts in determining that target, but I'm hopeful. So was there a specific date? No, I'm just well, kidding. Well, I'm hopeful okay. that it's, I'm hopeful <laughs> as we get into the third quarter of 21, and we're doing events now, and we'll, and we'll keep doing events with reduced capacities, but our event calendar is pretty full. Now, this is the season, right? This is normally your busy season. January first, and February is first quarter. some of our busiest months. But the, uh, uh, What's but, the outlook for first quarter versus what it was in, in last year? I, I will say our calendar evolves daily. It, oh, it, I bet. It is amazing because we, we've lost two events that I know of in the winter that are perennial, annual. I say lost. They're not happening this year. Are they canceled for the whole year or are they just pushing it to another part? Time well, they'll, the they'll be back in the future. Okay. They're just not doing it. And, you know, like you said, they're, you just, they're annual yeah. events, so you just push them. You, you add in your contract, you just add them to the well, we also back have end of the contract. A, uh, right. Yeah. And then but we've got a, a gymnastics event. Is that in May? I think it was. That it? replaced Quilt Week. Week. Okay. That's in February then. Yes. End yeah. of February. Well, see, quilters, I mean, they're here every year. Great mm-hmm. piece of business. Seven days. And uh, they probably notified us, it was several months ago now, probably three months ago, that just can't do it. So I'm thinking, ooh, there's a one-week hole that just opened up. Which is, what can you do? And usually you can't fill those in six months. But then we had a gymnastics group that had uh, problems with another venue who couldn't accommodate them because of COVID. So then again, they call us and happened to have that week open. So it, it, it worked out great. But that's... Uh, is there opportunity there in... Grabbing something that maybe happened in the, in another part of the country that may come down here instead, well, a new, a new piece just, of business. He just spoke to is uh, the gymnastics event is coming over from Tampa is the Gasparilla Open. It's one of the largest gymnastics events in the country, actually. So it's a nice thing to plug into what was a nice event. So they typically host that event at the Tropicana Field in Tampa, but um. Major League Baseball doesn't really know what they're doing with spring training next year. So the team cleared off the calendar of their venue in anticipation of having to use that for their own team. So they displaced him and he started calling some venues he had relationships with. And we happened to be one of those. And, hey, I have a opening now in, in quote week at the end of February. And it turned out to be the perfect fit. And hopefully that'll be one of those And things. hopefully you can keep it. Even if it's a one-off and it goes back to Tampa when they can accommodate it again. But we should have quilters coming back yeah, too. Exactly. So it's, it's – but. I can pro- if I ran you a calendar today, it would be out of date this time next week. Sure, that's how that's how the I mentioned today, and I was in a meeting this morning. I said our room night prediction is at least. I, I said even knowing there's going to be erosion, I'd still rather start at over sixty thousand than start at thirty thousand with erosion. I said, and then when you talk about our activity, there's a lot of churning on our calendar, a lot of phone calls. I said, and that means we're going to see, keep seeing change. We're going to see, keep seeing events fall. But as they fall, we have calls and inquiries that come in from people that weren't even on our radar. And and you see, we're at one scale, but Orlando sees the same thing. They got a group from Las Vegas for a week because Nevada has shut down. We see some of that at our own scale and, and, and our level too. So we're still, again, the number of events may not be down as much as attendance just because we can't, some of these events can't have 10,000 people in the building at the same time. Now, some of these events, which is a good thing about, another good thing about sporting events, they flow. They come in and watch their kid play volleyball, but once that game is over and they don't play again for four more hours, they leave, and then they'll come back when it's time for the next game. It's not a static, whereas a CEO gaming, is they'll come and that, they'll stay in the building all day. Sure, the something theater style. But the, right. but the sporting events and the cheer events, it's an ebb and flow all day of teams coming and going, and that's that's good for us right now because with capacity restrictions, they only need 
2,000 people in the building. At a time. Now, for all the retailers and the hotels and the restaurants in Daytona, what do you think the outlook is in terms of not just the Ocean Center, but Bike Week? What's the status of Bike Week at the moment? Bike Week right now is still on. Uh, is on we, for March. we participate because we own a, a lot on Main Street. Ocean Center of Volusia County owns a, a, a lot on Main Street, which we sublet that week to Polaris Indian Motorcycles. Sure. So right now, I mean, and we have to file the applications just like everybody else for vendor permits. Right now, that process, we've paid our money and they've had the meetings and they're they're doing it differently. With safety plans in place and social distancing signs and sanitation protocols. Any, any predictions on size of the event this year? Uh, There's no way to tell how many attendees uh, are going to show up I, until they show up. Right? I, I'm probably the last person to venture a guess. I just, I, I do not know. I can tell you better it's after it's over. my job to try and pin what it I can do, you know, I tell people, uh, you can ask me after it's over and I can tell you how much parking revenue sure. we took in this year versus last. And that's a good barometer usually, but have no clue about who, who may still feel comfortable traveling. Although I will say the biking crowd in general seems to be the crowd that is still willing to travel. Sure. They're not flying, number one. Tra- and the number two, traveling is half of the adventure. It is. Taking the road trip. What are, what are the other events outside of Ocean Center in the county that are critical to the, the economy of Volusia County? That, Any other festivals? I do know that. I think Turkey Rod Run's always highlighted as something. I, I know I've heard some uh, presentations in the past to where our destination is unique in that people travel here during a holiday like Thanksgiving where people typically would go elsewhere. So it's interesting that we would get an influx of thousands of people during a a holiday that big. So I know that impacts a lot of uh, Well, we saw some local things. The band shell, the city of Daytona Beach with the band shell does a summer concert series, which is great every weekend, free or usually low cost and uh, a great time on the beach. They canceled the summer, but they they had a, a late fall series, which was, it's nice to see that reactivated. So I'm hopeful that means they'll be on go for summer because it's just another thing in our, our offerings as a destination that when you travel to town in the summer, there's a period of weeks, there's going to be concerts on Friday and Saturday night on the beach. NASCAR recently just added another race after the 500, I believe too, which would be great for the area, I believe. And we're all set for the 500, right? Yep. And, and same thing, it'll be interesting to see whether all this has an effect on attendance numbers. Well, at the end of the day, uh, we, uh, if you look at our, even our booking policies, uh, we're geared and prioritized room nights. If you have a piece of business with room nights, significant, your room nights attached to it, you jump to the top of our list. Uh, sure. We book you out but at the end of the day, in terms of the economy, the, oh, yeah. the greater economy of the county, it's the number of people that show up that makes a difference. Correct. Do you think now there's more confidence in this summer being somewhat back to normal for events in the county because there is a vaccine in place? I, I think there's always been, a, we've seen kind of pent up demand for 2021, people wanting to book and wanting to put on activities. I think the fact that shots are going in arms really solidifies that optimism a little bit more. Is, is, uh, that's, that's just the feeling. What's my gut tells me. Has there been any discussion about having a requirement, uh, a vaccine requirement for events? No, none of that. And, and we've been very, again, we require the mask and the social distancing. Some events check temperatures, some do not. That's not something that we've required. The, and again, it's up to the event by event promoters what they want for their event. We just know they won't come in our building if they don't stay away from other people and wear a face mask. Sure. So the outlook on 21 is not as good as it was this time a year ago. 
for 20, but you're feeling pretty positive about it. Yeah, I am. Again, when I just look at our numbers, I, I think it'll be hard to have the same level of attendance, but I think the level of events will come. Uh, I don't think last year we were probably at a uh, 55, 60% of what of a normal year. I, I'm hoping we can push that to 75. Sure. We're ta- we are talking about two components. There's obviously yeah. the impact on your facility in terms of the, the rental income, but then the impact on the county in terms of attendance. Those are two very different things. And we look at all that, when we, what drives events and what drives economy. We're about driving economy. I, I don't say this, I don't say this to, too loud, but uh, if it comes down <laughs> it to- It is a podcast, by the way. <laughs> but I tell people all the time, I mean, you weigh a lot of factors when, you're, when you decide to do or not do an event. But if the event makes sense for the community, and has a lot of economic impact, whether or not Ocean Center makes a dollar off of it is not the priority. The priority is if you have significant hotel rooms that are going to fill- restaurants and shops and and boost the economy we may we'll try to work with you on other things to try to make it happen uh, so it's a team effort it with is, the CVB it is, and and it's, a, it's great when everybody makes money and we certainly approach every, every event with uh, that in mind as well but at the end of the day if we have a choice to even do a community event <clears throat> where our rental barely covers our cost but we're employing 40 people that need that paycheck before christmas i still call that a win i would call that uh, maybe one of the rare times that our tax dollars are doing something uh, the right way. I'll quote you on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I assume the CVB hasn't been out doing trade shows like they normally do. Nor have we. Nor have you. So you normally go well, out, because those you travel all around canceled. and those do. Those have all canceled. Sure. Uh, yeah. But most of our industry trade shows have gone virtual. We're still staying involved and doing what we can to get in front of uh, clients as best we can. But we're, we have our travel schedule. It's in place. It's, it's, uh, because you're always doing sales for 24, 36 yeah, months absolutely. out. We partner with our CVB uh, very often at a lot of these trade shows and sometimes sharing booths with them. And it's a, it's an absolute team effort to bring or convince somebody to bring an event of five, 4,000 people to a destination they're not familiar with. We're there to sell the space and explain to them how it's going to work in this venue. And then the CVB is there to sell the destination, the hotels. Sure. And these are really important events. So what we're talking about is basically tourism, hospitality type events for the tourism and hospitality industry where you'll go out and pitch. It's events. It's we jokingly call it. It's a conference for people that do conferences. Sure. Or an event for people that put on events. Yeah. And is that a critical part of your sales process? Huge part. It, it is. I always say it's relationship selling. At the end of the day, you've got to get somebody to trust you enough. Say, Tim just said to bring their event to a destination they may not have come to before and feel confident that we can help them pull it off in a way that their attendees enjoy themselves and want to come back to their conference next year if it's in Omaha. So it's a big, it is a risk for them. So they've got a, there's a trust factor that has to be established and, and, and you have to, you know, really get in front of them. I, you know, we're in the directories, we're in trade magazines and on, on websites, but I don't think we've had a four-day convention for 5,000 people ever call up and say, hey, I saw you in RCMA catalog. I want a book. <laughs> you got to sell it. So you're lose, you've lost out on time to build your pipeline, so to speak. Yeah, it's that. But we've also we've solidified a lot of relationships as well. And I'd be remiss not to mention that in over this podcast, we've talked about how well we've worked towards making events safe for the guests. But we have great partnerships with the people that put on the events as well. And it, it, it isn't just us dictating to them. A lot of them come to us and they're willing to help and 
and want to do everything they can do as well to make the event safe and still enjoyable for all their attendees. That's a big part of what we do. It's a big part of being able to pick up the phone with the promoter and be like, hey, we need you to help us get the word out that masks have to be worn. And everybody to a person so far has been happy to work with us on that. And we haven't really had any issues. uh, And they've done a good job because when they're pushing it out to their (laughs) registrants, uh, and they show up that weekend here. And and they've got to communicate ahead of time. The first, we don't want them to. We don't want the first time for them to think about a face mask is when they see when they the sign up. on our door. Right. You know? right. So, right. Yeah. so it's uh, again, it's been a good partnership, and we've so far it's working, re- you know, pretty well. And you didn't uh, obviously, uh, like everyone else, you didn't uh, foresee a pandemic coming. So you, you know, the work you did to build those relationships over all the years prior oh, yeah. is, is, I assume paying off now, not just, again, looking at the greater view, not just for the Ocean Center, but for the county and the, the small businesses that rely on these events to come in. Well, I mentioned the longevity of some of our relationships with some of our clients and the fact that 60% of our business generally is repeat business. That's where in a pandemic that is very helpful because we we have, we have a working phone call relationship versus uh, trying to convince somebody who's never been here to come here and try us. It's good to have that base. So if I'm a struggling restaurant owner in Daytona right now or anywhere in the county, really, and I rely on a lot of these events to, for my income during the year, what's, what would you say the outlook is? I'd say it's a, a mixed but still getting brighter every day. And and, and I can assure everyone that we're, we're going to keep working hard to do our part to try to get back to where it was. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right.